This episode of Ghost Stories is brought to you by Altvest. Founder and CEO Warren Wheatley approached me for an opportunity to tell the Altvest story in a way that resonates with his long-term vision for the group. It's not easy to build a business, let alone in public. I hope that this episode helps you decide whether Altvest is misplaced or misunderstood. As always, you must do your own research and an appearance on Ghost Stories is in no way an endorsement by me of the company involved. This always applies to all of my guests. Welcome to Ghost Stories. Welcome to what will no doubt be an incredibly interesting episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. Warren Wheatley is my guest today and I just can't wait for this one. He is the co-founder and CEO of Altvest, a business that has garnered an enormous amount of attention online. I think mostly positive, some tough stuff as well. And Warren, I must salute you because you reached out to me. You wanted to come onto the show, talk about the results that have basically just been released. To your absolute credit, you know, you kind of gave me carte blanche with whatever questions I want to ask. And I think the point today is to really help people maybe just get beneath the surface a little bit. I'm stealing a magic markets line now on what is in Altfest, you know, because there's a lot on social media, some of which I think is good and some of which distracts from what it is you're doing. And I think today it's really about understanding Altfest, a little bit more about you as well. And thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. Cool. Thanks, Ghost. Uh, so to understand Altfest, uh, you need to understand uh, a little bit about me. So I come from a, it, let's call it a middle income family. Never had much money, but my family worked hard to get me to private schooling and a university and to ultimately help me to forge ahead in, in the world. Now, I trained as a chartered accountant. Um, I then went into investment consulting with, with Alexander Forbes, where I effectively grew up. And I learned I would guess the, the basis of my technical skill set at Alexander Forbes. I understood primarily how asset markets work, how you know investments work, everything on the top end of the balance sheet. After 12 years there, I, I got kind of bored and joined APSA Capital in the division of uh, the, the ultra high net worth or family office division. And quite simply, we looked after families who looked like pension funds. In other words, their balance sheets were as big as some of the pension funds. That's a, that's a great description. When, your fam when a family is listable, then you know. <laughs> you know what you're dealing with. And uh, I learned a lot during my two short years at Absa Capital in the, in the family office. Number one is I realized just how small the circle is in which capital circulates. So I would sit there giving advice to a family as to how best invest in a particular opportunity that presented themselves. And I would often wonder, like, why has no one offered me this, uh, this opportunity? And the, the reasons were obvious. Number one, I, I didn't know the people who were doing the deal, so I, I lacked the network. Secondly, even if I was invited, I don't have the 100 million to invest in the opportunity, even if I knew the people. And it occurred to me, and even in two years, as that, that's a short span in any entity, right? I saw deals return money to these families over that period. And it just got me thinking, like, 
what prevents ordinary South Africans from investing in these kind of things? And how do I solve that? At the time, it was impossible. That was 12 years ago. I learned enough about the other side of the balance sheet, the, the, the gearing or debt side. And eventually, I decided to start my own corporate advisory business, which has done quite well. And that's morphed into what is my other day job, being the chief investment officer of the Lebashe Investment Group. And that owns, amongst other things, a large proportion of Capitec, um, 100% of Arena Holdings, which is you know, a major player in the English media space, um, and EOH, uh, and yeah, a, a number of other smaller things, amongst them the Cape Town Stock Exchange. Anyway, there was a convergence of technology and ideology which ultimately led me to starting up Altvest Capital. Now, Altvest Capital is meant to do two things, very, very simply, two things. Number one is give access to ordinary South Africans uh, to this set of opportunities where there are extraordinary returns outside of the JSE and Unitrust that just wrap up the JSE. Because South Africa is an incredible country with incredible entrepreneurs and incredible business opportunities. The problem is, is that too few people participate in that, in that wonderful economy, right? Too few people. And it's not because there are systemic issues that present themselves in, in creating that barrier to entry. And I set out creating Altvest Capital to break down those barriers. The second thing is, which is the flip side of the same coin, is that these businesses that are so amazing and wonderful and can actually be the, the, the elixir that solves our problems in the country, or many of our problems at least, are often starved of capital, right? And yes, there is capital. You could go to an SME debt provider and get a loan at 40% per annum, right? I don't care who you are. If you can run a business paying debt off at 40% per annum, you're a superhero, right? Or you could go to a VC or private equity fund, but then you give your business, your life, and your idea away. So we had to land somewhere in the middle. Now, it sounds like a simple solution to solve, but it's actually not. Because number one, you've got to cater for a low entry point, right? Now, how do you do that? Um, and secondly, given the nature of South Africans and the number of shock waves we are dealt with randomly but regularly as South Africans, you often need cash. So even though I make an exotic opportunity available to you, I need to be able to return your cash if you need it and not at a substantial discount. Right? So yes, you can participate in private equity but if you want out, they're going to tell you, number one, sorry, the fund has 10 more years to run. But there is someone who will give you cash, but you'll get 20 cents for every rand you've put in. So I, need to re I needed to solve two primary issues for the South African investor. Number one, can I get you out if you overspent in December? Right? You need textbooks 
And the only asset on your balance sheet is your investment in Artwest. I need to exit you at a fair value. Number two, I need to make it investable at an increment that you can afford. So I'll tell you a beautiful story. Our first, our first investment in Ghanu Lodge, right? Now picture this place. It's a 40 million rand uh, villa on the banks of the Sabi River overlooking the Kruger. It's in, a, it's in a lifestyle estate that is voted in the top 10 on the African continent. Our neighbors are dollar billionaires, right? Dollar billionaires. Knows not even 1% of South Africans would ever even be able to visit the place, let alone own the place or own a portion of the place. So it was the perfect example for me to show exactly what the platform was intended to do. We got flack for this, but I wanted to demonstrate that I had stripped down the barriers to entry to this kind of investment. How do I do that? We, we listed, I had to list Altwest. And if someone had just taken me aside and said, Warren, you have no idea that you're getting yourself into, don't list, find another way. I may well have listened. I mean, it's, it's tough. But we, we are able to then list instruments which provides for the liquidity issue. People can exit at will, and they can actually, notwithstanding the limited liquidity. And secondly, we can present the opportunity at price points available to South Africans. So the office park we're in, um, we've got two car guards. Everyone on this podcast would know what a car guard is, right? Both of them are investors in Umgarnu, have already made 30% of their money, despite the fact that both of them could not invest more than 100 rand at a time. But they own shares in a luxury lodge and co-own that with the ex-cricket captain of England. That is an incredible story. And it breaks down that circularity of money that only circulates between the Stellenbosch Farmers Market and rugby at, at you know, Paul Gymnasium on Saturday mornings. We've broken it down. Anyone can invest in anything they want to right now, and we've, we've solved that. What's, what, I, what I got wrong in all of this is I misunderstood how severe the malaise of the South African investor was. We started off having other platforms as competition, right? We started off having other asset classes as competition. So, you know, do I put my money in alternative assets or do I put it in hedge funds or the JSE or gold or Bitcoin, whatever? That competition I could deal with. My, my competition right now is a lot more insidious. My, my, my competition right now is consumption. People are literally choosing between, do I, do I get a, a generator or invest? Do I buy food or invest? And, and so that, that created a wide awakening. I, I'm a little embarrassed to say, I, you know, it's always in the back of your head that the consumer is struggling. I, I didn't quite realize how bad until I started selling investments to them. And let me pause there for, for any questions you, you may have. Yeah, I mean, Warren, there's a, there's a lot there, and it's very much a story of kind of breaking through. I can understand 
I mean, it's interesting, like my background, watching my parents struggle with a, a small business that ended up, you know, not really working out at all. I think a lot of that informed why I wanted to get into a space where I'm delivering business insights in a way people can understand, because a small part of me wonders if, you know, back then, had they had access to some of this stuff, would some better decisions potentially have been made along the way? Who knows, you know? So it's interesting how our backgrounds shape us and what we end up doing later in life, especially those who choose to kind of chase their their ideologies and see what they can actually build. So, you know, something like that can only ever be respected because it's hard. If 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 someone has never tried to build a business, they literally just have no idea. I always say that to people and they always shake their heads and go, no, but of course I do. You know, I'm a chartered accountant or I'm a CFA. I understand the stuff in the textbooks. Like, you understand nothing <laughs> until you understand operating on three hours of sleep, working by a rechargeable light at two in the morning because something has to be out the next morning and there's no two ways about it. So it's tough out there. And I think, you know, I see it with my nanny, for example, I've worked through her monthly budget with her. I don't even know how many times I, I can't even, I, I won't say publicly how much I've helped her financially in the past year and a half, you know, it's just something I do, but you have to, because she cannot survive. Like she literally cannot survive. So I've seen firsthand and I guess that gave me a good understanding of, you know, what it means when businesses like SA Taxi talk about the plight of low-income South Africans and the working poor, which is just the most awful concept. You know, people who are getting up at four in the morning to catch a taxi, get to work, and they still can't actually feed their families. It's a massive, massive problem. So I can understand why that's such a driver for you, but also why it's your biggest challenge is because to your point, it's literally food or invest. You know, this is not the, the cricket club on a Saturday, you know, buy a bit less beer guys have you thought about your tax-free savings account like <laughs> that's not what this is right not even close and so what, what, what's quite interesting is watching your journey I, I understood you were going to experience many of the same issues i i came up against right yes you start a media business and i i know for my sins now media well and eventually you're going to have to ask people to pay for for content and you're gonna come up against the very, very same wall I came up against, right? Is you, you wanna distribute financial information in a way that people can easily consume it. And just by the way, uh, your, your stuff is compulsory reading for my, my staff um, and we will become subscribers when that, when that day comes. The point is you're gonna hit that point where people choose between food or subscribing. And yes, you'll, there, there'll always be people who can subscribe and, and, and do that, but the, it's not the people who you built your business to serve, right? Those people are waiting anxiously now to see what the, the in, interest rate increase is gonna be, because it actually matters. It matters if they go on holiday this year, it matters if they can go to restaurants once a month. It matters if they have their kid's birthday at an outside venue or at home. It matters in so many ways that a lot of people just don't get. The way I try to address it, and it's one of the, the, the pre-briefing questions you asked is, it seems like a lot is going on. Like we almost just running around mad trying to do everything. So it's actually all very well thought out. And, and very structured thinking on, on my part, which I, I don't often do. I, I do often just randomly want to address everything. So 
The, the one thing that South Africa can boast about is we have a very developed, structured savings environment. And we, we, did, we, we ranked quite badly in the pension fund industry. Typically, we are in, in the top pops in that. We, we've got a very, very sophisticated banking investment and, and savings system with trillions under management. And those are under the, under the custodianship of a number of acts, the Income Tax Act, Financial Markets Act, but people have compul what I call compulsory or non-discretionary savings in their retirement annuities, tax-free savings, pension provident funds, those kind of things. Um, and that system works and is well-regulated, well-governed. And that's something that people do relatively involuntary, but even if they have stopped those, there are assets under management that they can deploy to areas they want to, if structured correctly. So because I like the, the flip side of the coin of, of giving people access to these things is that SMEs need capital. So my, my vision is for business opportunities to fund their business requirements from the community they serve. And quite simply, if you want to start a butcher in a community, you know, have the community fund it. Number one, the community will, it, it drives them to support the business. We've seen in July riots that people gather around essential services they use to protect those assets. How much more would that ethos manifest in a situation where I'm an owner in this business. No one's gonna throw a petrol bomb through it because I'm here protecting it. It's my asset, my kids' future is invested in that, right? But also, can you consider due diligence? You drive past the butcher on a Saturday morning and whether you buy or whether you hold or sell the share dictates, you can look at, you know, if there's a queue outside, you know, it's a, it's a buy or at least a hold. And, and that's the idea is community ownership of the real economy. And that's effectively what I'm trying to do. Number one, the, the entrepreneur can get, can get the, the capital he needs and the, the investor gets to participate in the real economy, which is actually where all the action and fire is. I mean, how many times can you buy and sell Sassel in a portfolio or NASPERS and that kind of thing? It's just not real. If you consider a hundred million, take a pension fund. Now, I, I, one of my passions is um, service and I, I serve on the Telcom Retirement Fund as the, the chairperson of the investment committee. And I can tell you, if we take a hundred million rand, right, and invest it into an impact fund, I can tell you I've created 10 jobs I've, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. If I put 100 million into NASPERS, the only people who have made money is the broker who did the deal, and that's it. And the few banks or whatever who was involved in that trade. Literally two or three people, whereas that same 100 million into the real economy improves lives dramatically as well, right? So that, that's my passion. And yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about the ways to get that message across. I've made mistakes. Yes, I could have got the message out. But the one thing I can say, 
as I'm having a conversation with a finance guru and journalist, and I looked at your track record. You only talk to billion market cap companies. I'm a small 50 million guy, and I'm having a conversation with you, right? So we've done something right. And the more people that listen to the story, the more people are going to buy into the story. And that's what we, we had to do. If more South Africans can invest in the real economy, we need to become non-reliant on government. And I'm not a politician or anything. I detest politics. I don't support any particular company, any particular ethos. I'm a capitalist, but a social capitalist, if that's such a thing exists. I think such a thing does exist, Warren. I think a social capitalist does exist because I share a lot of those sentiments. Otherwise, I wouldn't do what I do. I mean, you raise the point around charging people for content. So the one thing I've sworn to myself is Ghostmail will be free forever because it's the only way that you are not shutting out that VIT student studying at 2 a.m., trying to understand something and get by and then, you know, be the first person in his or her family to graduate. Like, for as long as Ghostmail can be read by that person, it will be free. And it's free because, you know, it's a business, make no mistake. I'm not doing badly out of it. It, it works because of brand partners. It works because of people who have understood that vision and come in and said, actually, you have a really strong audience. We want to be part of it. So I do. I do believe in social capitalism. You know, could I make more money if it had a subscription? Yeah, maybe. You know, is that what gets me out of bed in the morning? No, it genuinely isn't. So I think, you know, we've understood a lot about the sort of ideology behind this thing. It's definitely nice to actually get to know more about you. I think uh, it's been a journey. You know, I think it's there's nothing more humbling than starting a business. <laughs> It will uh, it will take you to dark places, darker places than ESCOM will ever take you. I can promise you that. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of service offerings going on in Altfest. I mean, the, the numbers are what they are. The cash burn at the moment is very high. You know, the annual financial statements have just been released. A lot of people online, I think, are going to probably pick on some of those numbers and maybe say, oh, you know, a lot of noise has been made Altfest, but there's a lot of money being spent here. You know, what is going on here? What is this core business and from what i can see and what i can read there's had to be you've had to pivot a lot in a short space of time and again as someone who has started businesses and the finance growth is not my only one you know magic markets is in there biswell is in there like you start something and you have a good idea of what you think it's going to be and I, and you lift your head two months later and you think okay uh, actually no change of plan i mean we had to pivot biswell almost three <laughs> completely <laughs> basically within the first six months the difference is you've built in public and as soon as you are building in public, everything is visible to everyone. You know, every ugly number, every little mistake, it's kind of just, you know, par for the course, unfortunately. So what I would like to do is get into some questions around a little bit more about Altfest specifically. Um, some of the businesses you are looking to build within that, you know, within that stable and what the future of that thing actually looks like. And I want to start with just the different offerings because there are quite a few now. And I see you've already um, exited, I think it's A-Trade. It looks like that you've done a bit of a deal there. So some, some hectic pivots already, but that makes under, that is understandable in this macroeconomic environment. It is wild out there. As you see the business now with what you've learned since you started, what would you say the, the sort of one or two core offerings are? What is peripheral to that? You know, someone walked into you now and said, hey, Warren, I want to buy shares in Altvest. What are they actually buying now? Let me start at the top, the, the different entry points, right? So you could buy into Altvest and what you buy in is my, my ultimate vision. And that's a big sell because the vision changes, not 
the vision doesn't change. The path to the vision changes weekly because different things present themselves and you actually have to adapt to them quickly. And it, it gives us scatterbrain type view because we are building in public, which is on the one hand, extremely difficult, but you also have the benefit of live feedback, right? Like, you know, straight away, you don't have to wait for, you know, a six month survey commissioned by a team of market experts to find out like you've made a mistake. You find out instantaneously and uh, you, you've got to leave your ego deep in the basement if you want to build in the public, right? And you need to admit mistakes and fix the mistakes and move forward, which I'm actually become quite good at. Like we make mistakes all the time, all, all the time. One of the biggest mistakes I made was underestimating how difficult capital raising would be. Having said that, we've done okay. We've raised over 35 million in one year. And I, I think if you compare, and so the first thing is a, a lot of people forget my, the 5th of May was my one year anniversary, right? We one years old and we an asset management business. So being a startup that's listed goes, I can't tell you how difficult it is. We, we released our, our financials five days early. It was no easy feat. I mean, it took me driving my staff and myself to the verge of insanity. It's, it's difficult, right? But it's critical for what I wanted to do. Only when it's listed can you provide for a, a dignified exit for a retail investor who needs money. And I say dignified because you don't want an unscrupulous private equity manager to say, you know, I'll give you money, but 20 cents. You can actually sell it to someone else at a fair market value, right? And that comes, and, and being able to do that comes with the, the sacrifice we've had to do for being a, a startup early. But to answer your question, so that primary offering is there. We ultimately a listed company and every instrument we list gives you ring-fenced exposure to the underlying asset. So you could open a brokerage account, A-Trade. A-Trade, the story is simple. We, we understood initially that um, we needed to be able to control the entry point. And so we, we took control of, of A-Trade. Um, but A-Trade was also a poison pill in that to compete as a brokerage, you need to consistently be as, as good as e easy equities are as a brokerage platform. And that, I'm afraid, we just didn't have the capital resources. So had we kept it, um, it would have ultimately bled us dry. Um, so. We went, once we had controlled the narrative and the customer experience for the first, you know, for the for the rush, we we were happy to let it go, and we actually are building our own brokerage, but at a pace that we can manage and manage the cash flow. So that that offering is there, direct investment into the ordinary listed shares. But then we we had to pivot because that didn't go as well as I had hoped it would. Um, I, I raised 35 million, but 
what I was supposed to raise was 60 million. So I got about halfway where I was supposed to. And the business can't keep only making the halfway mark and expect to finish the journey. So I had to pivot. And I had to introduce access points where people could invest their pension fund savings. So the first product we built was a retirement annuity. And we launched that on the 17th of April. It's launched under a new company called Altvest Securities, which has the license to do advisory and intermediary work required from a regulatory perspective. I've got over 200 subscribers to Altvest Securities and over 50 retirement annuity investors. Um, and again, that is something where the, the voluntary contributions that people make have been quite muted but we've seen big amounts where they've opted to move in from um, other providers. So you've got providers charging as much as 12% per annum of the assets under management. They just, it's downright theft. I'm not sure how it's allowed. We've come in at a 1% fee. And we, we, we vocal about how low fees and competing on price is a race to the bottom. I, I hope to never, ever make a profit on someone's retirement savings, ever, right? Here's the social capitalist again. However, where, I make, where Altwest Capital makes the money is that 20% of that retirement annuity is invested into Altwest products, which goes on to funding entrepreneurs. And that's where I can charge a decent fee for the capital raise initiatives from the entrepreneurs. So as an example, you know, we make about a million and a half per listing for a capital raise, but we also make cash when we deliver services and advisory stuff to the, the underlying businesses. So, you know, I, I'm never going to charge what I could call toll fees for getting onto the road. But along the road, there are really cool pit stops where you can stop and, and spend money is the best analogy I can come with, up with right now. But to get onto the road to your journey to financial wealth, we, we're never going to charge you. Even our brokerage. Um, I remember, and uh, I'm not sure how old you are. We seem similar ages, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm older. 35. 35. Yeah, I'm older than you. The first time I tried to invest in the JSC, I was an audit clerk, right? I earned three and a half thousand a month. And at that time, you could only buy shares in lots of a hundred. And you needed to spend over 30, 40, 50,000 before the unit cost dynamics made sense so that your unit price per share was, was something that you could grow off. Now, even our brokerage is a structure that the economics of entry are the same whether you buy one share or a million shares. So in other words, if you spend a hundred rand, your, your fee would be one rand. If you spent a thousand, it would be 10. So your unit cost in all circumstances is exactly the same. Now, that's quite a, it seems like a simple thing, but from a brokerage model perspective, it's, it's quite an undertaking because legally you've got a FICA every client 
once a year. Now, for a client who only spends 100 rand in trading, you make 10 rand brokerage fee. It costs 100 bucks to fika the guy. And that's one of the reasons I had to sell a trade because we didn't want to be in the brokerage game. We wanted to be in the access to opportunities game. And it was necessary for a while. And what we're hoping, and you know, it's, it's one of the travesties about, and I mean, we can talk about it, this war between easy equities and, uh, and Altvest. It really shouldn't be a war. We, we actually, in economic terms, complementary products. My, my, my wildest dream is us working with them actively to, to you know, or us being a subset of their product set to their customers. I don't want to be a brokerage. I'm never going to offer what they offer. I'm never, hopefully not never, but I can't for the foreseeable future compete on tech or ease of access or any of the cool things they're doing. And they're doing amazing stuff. You know, and so it, it, it hurts and it's disappointing that there's this perceived rivalry. Um, you know, but anyway, I, I love what they're doing. I love how they've solved this access to entry point. I think we've done that, but for a different asset class. And for me, the best outcome on, in this whole thing was for our asset class to be just lumped as an option to the existing customer base. I mean, that makes, maybe I can jump in there, Warren. I think it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense, right? You need to have these rails out there into the market that brings money in from all different areas into the assets that you are offering on the basis of those assets being attractive enough, right? And I mean, it has been interesting, you know, since we're having a frank conversation to see it all unfold on Twitter. I mean, I think we know, you know, where that rivalry came from. And I, I, I know Charles, I know Carl, and I think there's a good chance that uh, over time, the end of the day, they, they want to just take investment opportunities to a big audience that they've built in easy equity. So it would be interesting to see if that is ever possible. I know Charles and I, and I know the chairman well. I respect both of them. I mean, Mark was a mentor to me for over two years. He's an incredible guy. Um, Charles as well. We've broken bread together. And there, there are issues that are preventing a immediate hookup. Uh, but it still remains the a, a great outcome for me and it, it's what success would look like. I mean, the net winner in all of this is the retail investor audience, right? You raised a really interesting point earlier and, and people who have come into the market in the past couple of years don't understand this. So it wasn't as bad when I was in my articles. I seem to recall that you needed about 10 grand uh, sort of per investment for the, for the, the fixed fees to make any degree of sense. Yeah. And that's not 10 grand into 10 shares. That's 10 grand per trade, so per yeah. share. So you're an article clerk now, you know, you've done your four years of varsity, you're already earning more than, you know, anyone who's worked in your house at any stage growing up. And uh, the reality is that you need to be putting in 10K every time. And if you want to get out of it, same story. People don't realize the extent to which markets have been opened in the past three years. I absolutely could not have built the Finance Coast even five years ago. I don't believe it had any ability to exist pre-pandemic. It 100% is a pandemic and afterwards business. And people don't fully appreciate that. You know what the most unappreciated issue of that whole regime was? Is that those were all self-inflicted rules. You know, buying 100 shares or 100 rand lots or 100 share lots 
was a self-imposed rule the JSE put in place. It was a systemic wall that prevented poor people from participation in, into the economy. They broke away with that, where, you, yes, you could now buy single shares. But Charles broke down that wall and the easy equities guys completely with fractionalization, which conceptually people just don't have a deep appreciation for how democratizing that was. It, it's incredible, right? And we hope to, hope to be similarly disruptive because we're giving access to the, the stuff that you know gets discussed at the Stellenbosch farmers market or at the rugby game or on golf courses and that kind of stuff. Nowhere else in the world can you buy direct equity ownership into a luxury game lodge or a family restaurant like Bambanani. But also the high impact. Bambanani as an example. It's a family restaurant. It's a, a, a restaurant built to, to help nurture families. Now it's not like Spur, right? With the three-year-old you've been to Spur. Spur, you lock your kid up in a cage and he's there fighting for his life against bigger kids, against viruses, against bacteria, against... And it's rough. And you have fish fingers and chicken breast for lunch and cheap wine. And you go home and everyone feels they've had a good time. Bambanani is different. Your kid gets... <laughs> piano lessons, or they paint, or they play Lego, or they do something stru cultural, structural, and that kind of thing. Mommy can have a glass of wine, there's good Wi-Fi, she can do business. I mean, we had Bronwyn Nielsen at the, um, at the opening. She gave a testimonial where she said, at the time she started her own business, Bambanani was a place she could come to with her kids. Her kids would be looked after not locked in a, you know, in a, in a jungle gym. They would be educated, they would be read to the things that moms want to be doing, but sometimes because if they start in a business, they don't have enough time. But she could sit there and work and not feel guilty that her kids were being neglected. And she told the story about how starting her business would have been impossible without that. Now, one of the incredible things about um, us funding this business or helping her raise funding amongst the community, by the way, every single investor is someone who has had a meal or an experience at Bambanani, right? And we raised almost five million for her. She's starting a new venue and every venue costs more or less between three and five million to start, but creates 30 permanent jobs. That's incredible because that's what we want to do. We, we want to fund SMEs because they create jobs. And if you can give someone 5 million and they create 30 jobs and that 30 million is raised by people who frequently attend the establishment, what a perfect virtuous circle you've created, right? And let me tell you this. So at Bambanani, as an example, all the staff our shareholders and have the capacity. So in the next few weeks, uh, if you're ever in Johannesburg, make a visit to Bambanani. When you get your bill, right, you'll get the food total. There'll be an option to tip your waiter. There'll be an option to tip your minder. 
and there'll be an option to contribute to your weighted to buy more shares in the business. On the menu, you can order steak and chips, but also you can order shares and buy them and add them to your bill. So those are some of the developments we, we create in just opening up access where we want everyone to own. It's a visionary, there's some visionary stuff there. I, I, I must ask one question. So, you know, just thinking, so my background's also in corporate finance, a lot of capital raises and, you know, the concept of an anchor investor is so important. So inevitably you have that one strategic or two strategics, and then you have a whole bunch of people who invest because the strategic is there and they feel like they've done the DD and it's good to go. I wonder with a lot of the kind of social capital thinking of which there's clearly a lot going on um, at Altverse, which I must say doesn't, it hasn't come through for me previously. I've learned a lot from this. You know, to what extent can impact funding be channeled through your platform to become those, those anchor stakes? You know, then you're not raising necessarily five million for Bambanani. You're raising fifty million from a strategic, and you know everyone else can come in for the remaining five or six alongside that impact fund uh, with growth. You know, with job creation, etc. And obviously, with scale, will come better returns actually for everyone. This helps me answer the third block of the question you asked initially, and I can see you thinking ahead. And it's it's incredible because. I love having these conversations with people who start understanding they have the light bulb moment and can see where we're going. So that's what we've built now. We've built the ability for pension funds and institutions to invest. So you'll see in our website, we talk about the Altface Opportunities Fund, the Altface Credit Opportunities Fund. These are product sets built for institutional investment where I can accept a hundred million and deploy it effectively and quickly into businesses that need it, that can do this thing quickly and create and create and appoint and hire people quickly. It's fundamental to our thinking and it was always part of the plan. I had to bring it forward because I thought I could, no one wants to listen to you when you're just a PowerPoint presentation, right? So I had to start somewhere. And retail investors. I call them. I call them whiteboard businesses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know the flowchart on the whiteboard. People say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's great." Come back when uh, when you, you something, and we're something now. When I raised capital to do this, I put a note in my CEO's report: the second hardest capital raise I've ever been on. The first one was was Kisby, um, which had to be remanufactured. But the point is this. That's exactly what I want to do. For me to be effective, I can't wait. And it's another comment you made. I, I can't wait for one rand from a million people. I want to get two or three big pension funds or big DFIs or big sovereign funds to say, you know what, we buy the vision. Here's a hundred million rand. Go spend it and you know, change the world. Use this money to change the world. In fact, I, I can share with you now, I can't tell you which competition, but we, we entered our idea into an international ESG competition and we won the best ESG idea in Africa award. It's going to be announced in the next few days. Um, we're on the verge of closing out a few mandates with some big institutions where we can deploy capital to, to businesses in the Altface Credit Opportunities Fund. Now, let me tell you about this, uh, Ghost. This is really exciting, right? 
and you can see the material on the website and it's in our in our annual report we're going to be biased towards funding women women own businesses women led businesses women manage businesses for a number of reasons women struggle to raise capital in south africa for whatever reason the 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 irony of that is that women are much better credit managers or credit risk than men are so we're actually going to have a platform that will launch in the next few weeks where as an sme if you log on you you go through the normal credit application we give you a quote and let's say that quote is for a working capital facility of tw- and it's going to cost you 25% per annum we then ask you a series of what are your empowerment credentials do you have a C- a, a woman cfo coo or ceo the answer is yes your price drops by 5% not 20 minus 5 5% of 20 do you employ more than 50% female employees tick drop another five we've got five questions so if if you answer all five of those your your cost of borrowing from me is 25% lower than if you didn't do those things and here's the beauty right you can see that okay this will have that impact on the price you can pause your application and quickly go out and do the right thing and come back and enjoy cheaper funding alternatively you can accept the the rate as it is and do right the right things over time and as you do those things you are rewarded instantaneously through a cheaper cost of borrowing and that's not just you know an attachment that you're going to put into your um annual report where it's like yes my esg stuff tick 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 done it uh, this is actually something where it's you are rewarded for good behavior financially it's it's so interesting right so you know everyone has a view on on esg um i think done right it's great sometimes there's a lot of engineering around it to go and just create an outcome um you know you see it all the time in the listed space but i think from what i'm hearing the hearts of those at at Altvest are in the right place in terms of wanting to just address the issues in our country that bluntly the government absolutely does not do like we know this right i mean for me someone asked me the other day if i could change one thing in south africa what would i do excluding escom which is the obvious answer and for me it would be that everyone has access to broadband internet because if everyone had access to broadband internet you have literally given them the the world in their in their hands you know to an unlimited extent it's that sort of stuff that is needed in south africa and makes such a big difference but i guess what i want to ask which must be on the minds of people listening to this podcast is if i go back a year and i think of your marketing materials it it was very much it is very much aspirational champagne it's that kind of stuff you know let me say that about it and if i'm listening to you what i'm hearing is actually a very strong impact focus and it feels like perhaps Or, or would you say it's a hard question but would you say maybe the initial marketing gave people the run impression of what you're actually trying to build at Altvest or have you found that because of what's happened in the market you've had to pivot a little bit away from maybe some of the initial ideas and back towards what might have been your longer term dream around the impact stuff because i will say this no one can wake up in a year and just decide actually i care about all this stuff like this stuff is ingrained in you or it isn't you know this is stuff that's been built into you from 
your childhood, <laughs> from growing up, from you know, working. It, 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 it's not something you can come up with in a year. So, you know, is that, would you say that's the case? Do you think Altvest is misunderstood? I, I think it is absolutely misunderstood. It was all deliberate though. Um, and maybe that was foolish or, or not, right? But I deliberately pretended that I was going to sell you, you know, alligator skin loafers. What I actually wanted to sell you was Swiss bonds. Right? But no one wants to hear about Swiss bonds. No one's going to join a podcast to talk about the, you know, what I want to sell you is an investment in a tire factory in East London that doesn't have a competitor for 500 kilometers in any direction. But, you know, it's not sexy. The owner wears denim shorts that are arguably a bit, an inch or two too short. He pulls his socks up. He drives a bucky. There's nothing exciting or sexy about him. No one wants to talk about that. Not the people that need to talk about that. So, yes, you know, I, I, I dangled a, you know, a Gucci handbag. You know, come in and listen. And then spoke to you about the fundamentals of investing. So it was deliberate. Whether that was smart or not, I don't know. What I can tell you is we enjoy a disproportionate media presence for someone as young as we are, from a company age, and for as small as we are. So I think it's worked, and it, but it, it hasn't worked in a way where you can say it's only positive, right? I mean, there's, there's drawbacks, there's the catfights, there's the name-calling, the lawsuits, the legal letters, the everything that goes with it. And, and Twitter is the most toxic place on earth. It's bad. Twitter, Twitter is wild. So I, look, I have a theory that Twitter is what people wish they could write on LinkedIn, but they don't. Some of it's bad. Some of it's nonsense. I agree. Some of it is just stupidity. But I do think, you know what I love about Twitter is it, it, is it, it gives you a genuine view on sentiment because so many people, yes, there are trolls and goodness knows I've had my share of them in all shapes and sizes like you can't believe but uh if you kind of just get rid of the worst of the noise it does give you quite a good sense of sentiment and i, I do hear your point on outsized media coverage because at the end of the day altfest is tiny actually like we know this compared to a jsc that's the company it's super small you know there are small caps on the jsc that even people who are active in the market have genuinely you know never heard of and there's actually something else i just want to touch on because we are running out of time which is you know in this full year your costs were 41 million rand. Now, a little bit of context to that is in dollars, that's a $2 million to $2.5 million startup. If this was the US with its incredible VC market that I'm sometimes just so jealous of and sometimes just astounded by how people just throw money at things like there's no tomorrow. $2 million is almost an embarrassingly small raise. In fact, people will ask you why you aren't more ambitious. I'm aware of South African startups that have raised $10 million on a dime, you know, and they just happen to tell the right story to the right person at the right time. But the South African investor universe, I suppose it says so much about South Africa's growth, sadly, is that people struggle to believe that they'll get the economics that a VC fund needs, where one in every 10 is going to do really well. And even if the other nine go to zero, who cares? You know, did you see my number one? People don't believe the number one will happen here. 
And the reason they don't believe it is because there are so few examples of it. Like, let's be completely honest. Capitec is a very rare example of something that's gone from zero to gigantic in this country in the last kind of 20 years. A lot of other companies get to a scale and then they need to look offshore. And that's what Easy Equities is doing right now. They're raising money to expand offshore. So I guess the point I just wanted to make is to South Africans, they look at this and go, oh my goodness, you know, 40 million rand in a year. That's an absolute ton of money. You know, what does that get spent on? Like, how will this ever be made back in revenue? U.S. investors will look at a $2 million startup that is licensed across various financial products with media presence, etc., and might look at it completely differently. And I'm definitely not saying that I'm going to run out and buy Altvest shares. I'm just pointing out that because you've built in public as a what effectively would have typically been funded in a seed round in the U.S., you know, probably not even a Series A. You'd maybe be raising an A now. It's, a comp it's very hard to do what you are trying to do in South Africa. And innovation in our country suffers as and a result. The, so there, there's a couple of issues. I, I often dream about just going and doing this in the U.S. You know? And, you know, people raise money there without even doing a PowerPoint presentation. It's an Excel spreadsheet and they raise 10 times what I spent in all my years since inception, right? But let, let, let's address the 41, right? And, you know, for a business owner or CEO to refer you to the, the cash flow statement is, is rare because that's where the truth lies, right? We actually only spend 15 million in, in cash, in hard cash, right? And that is spot on to what I told the market in my pre-listing statement and in my prospectus what I would spend. And 90% of it is staff costs. It's the 10, 10 staff members I have. The other money was spent as share-based payments and IFRS makes this completely look over-exaggerated. But as an example, had I known you before, I'd have tried to persuade you to partner with me in exchange for shares. And that's what I did. I chose Banker X, I chose Lion Cage, I chose the most controversial people in South Africa. Alec Hogg, Rob Hersoff, <laughs> Koshik Karan. Um, it's the it's the team of deplorables. It's the Avengers. But we got the job done, right? Everyone knows who we are. They may not like us. My job now is to make you like us. So now you know me, like get to know me and maybe you'll like me and then ultimately buy shares. And when people buy shares, what I can tell you is they start figuring out exactly who I am, who we are as a business. And, and people misunderstand Koshik. I mean, he's deliberately controversial on the internet. Deliberately. Because South Africans, for whatever reason, like con controversy. I mean, you, I think you do follow us. Um, we put out well-considered media religiously, like clockwork, like a Swiss watch factory, right? We get three, maybe five, ten followers a day. You have one fight on Twitter, and we did like 200 followers in an hour. Welcome, welcome to my life. Welcome to my life with having tried to build this thing without upsetting anyone for the past two years. It's, it's hard. The, the incentives are so perverse, right? And you, you're trying to stay 
the Boy Scout commentator, but you'll notice yourself, the more controversial you are, the more people read yeah. your stuff. Yeah. No, and I and have some upset point people, in time, there's no question. Lots of, yeah. <laughs> I'm not on the Christmas card list of a lot of listed companies, I can assure you. <laughs> well, I was about to cancel your, your because you, 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 you've said some mean stuff about us, and, and I thought perhaps it's just indicative of the fact that you don't know us well enough, and perhaps it's indicative of us not telling you who we are well enough, right? And, and so this is a, an honest attempt to solve that. It's like, let me just have honest conversations, let people see it's not, and you know the irony of the champagne, right? Um, the bottle that's on the, the cover, the bottle that we swallowing down, that's the free bottle of champagne that the exchange gives to everyone who lists, right? So it was technically free. Um, anyway, that's just how the, the, the cards land, right? So yeah, we had to do it. That's exactly it. So Warren, we're coming up for an hour. If we go over an hour, I think uh, the number of people who will find time for this will sadly drop off a cliff. But I think what's been really cool with this is it's been a very interesting way to maybe just get behind the scenes a little bit. Um, I think for both of us, actually, you know, I can imagine you've taken as much from this as I have in terms of just a a little bit of a better understanding of, you know, the people behind the brands that these the people know, uh, which I think applies to both of us, actually. So I think from my side, you know, I only ever want to see things succeed. I take no joy from seeing things fall over, and especially in a country where failure seems to be our default at the moment. You know, desperately need to see some good momentum somewhere, somehow. We are faced with failure every single day. So I genuinely do hope that uh, that things go well and you manage to fulfill this vision because I can think of nothing better than a situation where a whole lot of capital is flowing into job creation in South Africa and all of the things that we desperately need. I have a huge passion for SMEs. That's why I do what I do at the end of the day. It, it really is. It's why I'm not afraid to say what I feel about big corporates is because, you know, they've got the big budgets. They've got lots of people sitting on the boards. You know, they can have a thick skin. And when they get it wrong or they do something that is clearly ridiculous, Someone needs to say something, but SMEs face an incredible journey every day. So I genuinely do hope that things work out for you. And I wanted to thank you for, I suppose, reaching out and wanting to, to come and just have this. It's been a very honest, I think, fireside chat. It really has been. Um, you know, the goal here today was not to, you know, pick through the annual report. It, it's a startup. At the end of the day, people are either going to believe in your vision and what you're doing and how you are spending money to get there, or they aren't. There's no, there's no valuation methodology that's going to take that annual report and achieve anything with it whatsoever. So good luck and thank you. And uh, I hope that we can do this again. Now, before we close, give me a laundry list of things I need to do to get you to invest in Altwest. So that's a great question. So I'm not naturally an angel investor or a seed investor, so I'm always going to be harder to get across the line than most. I do have a little bit of a a value tilt to me where I just like to have a little bit more, what is the word? I don't know, line of sight, I suppose, over cash flows. And it doesn't have to be like a whiteboard business that I will, you know, or, or rather it doesn't have to be something that is you know, fully developed before I'll have a look at it. But um, I tend more towards just wanting a bit more clarity on that kind of stuff than being very much an ideal whiteboard type investor. That's just a personality thing. Um, it literally is just how I'm built. Uh, beyond that, I think, just clarity around, I think, bringing some big anchors in 
alongside a sort of retail base. I think if there was an, if if Altvest was able to demonstrate that some big respected names have kind of gone through a due diligence, put money in, um, and al- and alongside that retail investors have come in, and particularly from other platforms, I would like to see Altvest, as I say, like building those rails out into the market and then concentrating on bringing the assets to the money. Because I think finding the assets is the hardest part. It's part of why I'm so excited about Bizwell, the, the, you know, the other startup that I'm involved in, is we are finding these wonderful small businesses, not just in South Africa, but we're starting to do it in the UK now as well, where finding the assets is difficult. I know from my corporate finance days, you can always find the money for a good opportunity. You can always find the money, but you can't always find great assets. And when I say you can always find the money, you can always find the money from institutional players. It's very hard to do it the way you're trying to do it, which is why I have a lot of admiration for it, actually. And that those are the kind of things that I would want to see. Um, as I said, just naturally, I'm not a startup investor, which is incredibly ironic. I'm a startup builder, <laughs> but I'm not a startup investor. And I, I don't have a great explanation for why. <laughs> Look, so here's the deal, right? I've taken the list. When I when I hit those things, you're gonna be the first guy I send uh, a, an offer to 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 invest, and uh, I, I look forward to that day because that's ultimately one what I want to do. I want to convince all South Africans, and in particular guys like you, who are commentators, who are influential, who are in one way or the other dictating where capital flows to. To have you, you know, go out, whether, whether you make a public notice of it or not is irrelevant to me. The fact that I've convinced you to, to do it will, will mean the world to me. You know, it's like they say, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. And if I have to have a million of these to get a million investors, then, then so yeah, be it. It's funny you say that. It never made it a secret that Easy Equities is a brand partner of, of Ghostbound, a very important one. I've equally never made it a secret that I've always thought the Purple Group share price just went too hot in the pandemic. I've had some really cool debates with Charles, with Carl around this point. Um, as the passage of time has gone, you know, I've largely been proven right that it was just too hot. You know, now there's the rights issue underway. At, at what it, I think it's 81 cents. Hopefully I didn't get that wrong. I think it's roughly there. You know, and at, those are the sort of levels at which I would probably look at buying purple group shares, to be honest, because I think so much of the business model has been proven. I can see the growth runway for them. And again, if an anchor like Sunlam is running, willing to underwrite a rights offer at that price, that tells you an enormous amount about like where is the value in the underlying thing. So just my personality as an investor, those are sort of the triggers that I look for. But Warren, good luck. I would love nothing more than to see you make this work. It would be very cool if uh, South Africa had its very own impact platform like this channeling money through so seriously good luck thank you for this and uh, as i say i look forward to catching up with you again i hope we can do this again in six months time and see where you are and you know every six months after that i think that would be great awesome let's pencil in it'll be a date <laughs>